0: roger coming to bring the word tonight he gave a very simple but very powerful message this morning with the gospel it's all about jesus and making sure we don't miss him so i'm looking forward tonight to hearing once again from roger to encourage us come bring the word brother appreciate everybody being back good to see you let me make uh, one quick announcement before we get going Our Evangelistic Association puts out a quarterly newsletter. You'll find those on the stand as you leave. If you'd like to take one and read it, feel free to take one. If you'd like to be on our mailing list, we send those out four times a year. And then also on that same sheet, I send out a blurb, a word of encouragement to Christians about every two or three weeks, and uh, would need your email address for that. So this goes out quarterly, four times a year. The blurb comes out uh, twice a month. So two separate things, and there are two separate places on the sign-up sheet out there. If you'd like either, neither, or both, they're out there. If you don't want it, don't sign up. You're not going to hurt my feelings, but it's there if you'd like to have it. All right. Tell you a story here as we get going tonight. I get a lot of different introductions. I appreciate your pastor's kind introduction this morning and uh, once again tonight. I think the most interesting introduction I ever got took place over in about 1990. We were getting ready to go over to Hungary on a mission trip. And as we got ready to go, we had to send some pictures in advance so people would know who was coming. So at that time, I was pastoring in Rustburg, Virginia, right outside of Lynchburg. And so we sent a picture from our church directory. So we got on the plane, we flew over to Budapest, began to drive through the streets of the town, and, hey, notice some of the posters were up. And I'm as vain as the next person. I thought, well, hey, I'll come over here and I'll see what I look like a couple thousand miles away from home. So I walked over and uh, I, I looked at the picture and... the. The pictures look just like me, but you'll never guess what the poster said. The poster said, Welcome, American evangelist Olin Mills. <laughs> that is a true story. I've often thought I should have said, Well, whether you get saved or not, just come on to the service. I'll give you a free eight by ten just for showing up. <laughs> so, Todd to this point, that's still my most interesting introduction, I guess, I've ever had. Well, look, I'm, uh, some of you I have not met yet. You maybe weren't able to be here this morning. Looking forward to being with you this week. And uh, my name is Roger Roller. I'm a full-time evangelist from the uh, Forest, Virginia area in Bedford County. And delighted to be here with you this particular week. Don't forget, Wednesday night is family night. Be sharing a message on family and marriage relationships. So uh, be here as we close out. Sit together, speaking specifically to families, marriages, and teenagers, young people, on Wednesday night. All right, take your Bibles, if you will, please. The book of Hosea, chapter 5. Hosea, chapter 5. Message tonight entitled, The Key to Your Revival. You know, it is one thing to say we're going to have a week of revival services. It's quite another to say we're really going to experience revival. There's a big difference in the two. I preach 25 to 30 revivals during the course of the year. I'm in a lot of different churches and... Some weeks we literally experience revival, and that's a great thing. And other weeks we have revival services, and that amounts to absolutely nothing. There's a big difference in the two. Tonight as we look at this passage, we're going to see what God is looking for out of your life and mine for revival to come to Kings Way Baptist Church then a decision everybody in here will have to make during the invitation time is this. Now that we know what God requires, do I really want revival? We'll find out later on tonight. Stand with me, please. We'll pray together before we get started. Father, thank you for loving us, dying on the cross for us, providing a way of eternal life. Now in the quietness of this moment, do what only you can do. Father, during the invitation time, we pray there will be folks who will respond to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I believe if you were to ask the Lord tonight, who are some of the most stubborn, hard-headed people in all the world, He might surprise us and say, well, you know what? Some of those folks are my own people, Christian folks. For so often, you and I as Christians like to pick and choose the portions of the Bible that we like, and then simply not do those things that our Lord requires of us that causes us difficulty. For instance, we like the verses about God's mercy and grace and forgiveness, and we like to know that our sins are forgiven and we're headed for the kingdom of heaven, but we're not so quick to embrace the verses that say, come, take up your cross and follow me. And the part about commitment and surrender, sometimes we just act like that's not even in there in the first place. And oftentimes we find ourselves in open rebellion against God, saying, Lord, I know what you want out of my life, but God, you need to understand something. I'm not going to do it. And So we're going to look at this passage out of Hosea chapter 5 tonight. Now one of the problems we have in churches today is this. We think that repentance is something that lost people ought to do, but never something you and I would do as Christians. That concept is false, and I'll show you why here tonight. Many of you already know the Old Testament revival passage out of 2 Chronicles where the Lord said to Solomon, If my people which are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked way. Who are the Lord's people? Lost people? No, wrong. Who are the Lord's people? Christians, Christians, the church. So the passage could have said, If Kingsway Baptist Church, Bristol, Virginia, which is called by my name, will do what? humble themselves, pray, seek the face of God, and repent or turn from their wicked way. Then while I hear from heaven, forgive them of their sin and heal their land. The number one key for revival to take place this week in the lives of the Christians of this church will be repentance on the part of the people who make up this church body. You see, the concept for revival is basic. It is simple. It has never changed. And it is this. No repentance. No revival. Now, We don't mind the part about humbling ourselves and praying. We'll do that. Some of you have prayed in advance for your revival. You want to see God do a great work. So we'll do number one and number two. And if a matter is serious enough, we'll seek the face of God. We'll say, Lord, I need you to intervene. God, I need you to make a difference. So we'll do one, two, and three. But that fourth thing, that thing of repentance, as Christians, we like to stonewall it. You know what stonewall it means? Well, I come from the country and stonewall it means I ain't going to do it. That's what it means. Now, I'm not saying anybody here tonight needs to be resaved. There's no such concept. What I am saying is this. When you and I as Christians find ourselves in broken fellowship with God, there's only one road that goes back to the cross. And that road is the road of repentance. So the first myth I want to dispel here tonight is the myth that says there is no purpose in open public repentance on the part of Christian people. Not only is it the right thing to do, sometimes it's necessary for a revival to take place. Hosea began chapter 5 by saying, Hear this, you priest, and pay attention, you Israelites. And he gets their attention very pointedly in verse 1 and says, Listen up to the judgment the Lord is ready to hand down against you. Now notice, he was saying this to his own people. What's that say to us here tonight? Well, it says, Don't look around and say, Boy, I wish Mr. So-and-so was here. Wouldn't that have been a good message for him to have heard? You know if Mrs. You-Know-Who could have been here tonight, that would have been great. I wish she'd have got a dose of that. She needed that anyway. This message is for everybody on the right-hand side, everybody on the left-hand side. This message is for me. And he gets our attention very pointedly in verse 1 and says, Listen up to the judgment the Lord is ready to hand down if you my own people do not confess your sin to him. He says you've been like a snare or net that catches others, and you entangle them and rob them of the joy of life. No, the Bible says I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And yet many times in our selfishness and stubbornness and pride, we don't let others see that abundant life exemplified in our lives. Sometimes it's because we don't have it. Other times it's because we're living in defeat rather than victory. We let the mundane, routine, day-in, day-out drudgery of life beat us down to such an all-time low, we forget who we are in our relationship to Christ Jesus. Members of Kingsway Baptist Church, listen, you're not a bunch of losers, you're a bunch of winners. Don't forget who you are in your relationship to Jesus. Sometimes we act like it's more of a chore to follow Christ than it is a joy to be a Christian. Now, here's what we'll do. We'll get together on Sunday morning. We'll start to dump our petty problems on one another. Now, don't misunderstand me. I think the church is a great place to share hurts and concerns and needs. I'm all for that. But I pastored about 10 years before I became a vocational evangelist. And one of the things I discovered in those few short years of pastoring is this. I found there are a whole lot of folks who come to church with no thought of worship, no thought of exalting the Savior no thought of lifting up the name of Jesus Christ rather just an attitude of hey man, let me tell you all the bad things that are going on in my life and my point is this if Jesus is really Lord let's start living like it. and if He's not then we don't even need to meet together have some joy have some peace have some excitement about what God in Christ has done in your life I don't mean you've got to swing from the chandeliers and turn flips and jump pews to show you love Jesus you don't have to do that but let there be a smile on your face. Let there be joy in your heart. Let's not be guilty of trapping others in our web of miserableness. Well, the Lord's getting ready to discipline these people Hosea is writing to. And in verse 3, he says, I know all about Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. Now, folks, that verse teaches nothing else. It teaches this. Our lives are an open book before God. He knows all about us. He knows how you and I lived on Saturday night before we showed up for church on Sunday morning. Pastor may not know, the other people in the church may not know, but God knows. He knows our heart, he knows our attitude, he knows our motives, he knows when we're trying to manipulate God. Hey, we don't sneak anything over on the Lord. Then he said, Ephraim has turned to prostitution and Israel is corrupt. You say, Well, that's interesting, but that's Old Testament. Surely you didn't drive to Bristol to preach a message on prostitution and corruption. Let me show you how we do it today. We do it in the year 2013 by selling ourselves and selling our relationship with Christ so people out in the community will like us and accept us for who we are. We don't want to be seen as being different, so we do whatever it takes to be liked in the community. We go to the gas station, the grocery store, the local restaurant. Hey, God forbid we'd ever say anything about Jesus. Talk about the hottest political race in the county. Hey, we've always got an opinion on that, don't we? Talk about the latest gossip in our community. We've got something to say about that. But speak up on behalf of our Lord outside the four walls of the church. Hush my mouth. What are you talking about? Christians, we need to be honest. There are times that we sell out simply to be accepted, simply to be liked, simply to be taken in. Verse 4 says, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. Many of these people were now living a lifestyle in opposition to God's will for their life and because of it, no longer could they be comfortable in worship. You see, you and I don't like it when the light of God's word breaks across our heart and we're living in darkness because it exposes us for who we are. Hey, I don't like it when God's examining light comes into my life and I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing. You know why? Because the real Roger Roller shows up then, and that stinks. I don't like that. Let me give you a humorous example I believe you can catch hold of. When my kids were younger, we used to go to the Dollar Theater there in Lynchburg. I'm a cheapskate, so I only go when it's a dollar. I ain't paying six and seven dollars. I pay a dollar to go to the movie. We used to go to the Dollar Theater there in Lynchburg. They say, Dad, you get the popcorn and drinks. Mom and the rest of us, we are going in and get a seat. I say, fine, I'll do it. Now, I stand in line, I get the popcorn and the drinks. I say the movie starts about 7 o'clock. Well, about 5 minutes after 7, here I come busting through the back door of the theater. Now, have you ever entered a theater to see a movie before and you've gotten there late and the movie's already running on the screen? Walked into a theater and the show's already running? What can you see when you walk in to the theater? I mean, boys, it's pitch black in there. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Well, when my kids were younger, they and my wife sort of liked to play a joke on me, and they didn't want me to find them in the theater, so they'd slink down in the seat as low as they could get. So here I come, got popcorn and drinks out to here, looked like the biggest idiot of all time, taking those little baby steps, going down through there, saying, where are you? Where are you? Hey, men, men, listen up. You all know how to get a candy bar stuck up your nose at the theater. You bend down in front of another man's wife and say, Honey, is that you? (laughs) Try it sometime, you'll find out. About the way you can get out of that and say, Ma'am, would you like some of my popcorn while I'm down here? Well, pretty soon I'd find my wife and kids, and they'd laugh and they'd say, Dad, we got you again. I'd say, yeah, you did. Doesn't take but a minute or two, and my eyes begin to adjust to the theater. Before long, I can see everybody in there just like I see you. The movie ends, I get up and I walk out the back door of the theater. As I exit the theater, I squint. Or maybe I put my hand in front of my face just for a second. You know why I do that? Because now I have become accustomed to being in the dark and the light hurts. And that's my point. When you and I are living in darkness, we don't like the light of God's Word to break across our hearts. We want to say, now God, I want you to clean me up. But don't you clean me up too good. This secret sin closet here, God, you stay out of that. Everything else in my life is fair game. But God, you stay out of that secret sin closet. Now look here. You can look at me tonight and say you don't have a secret sin closet in your life, but I say you do, each and every one of you, and so do I. And what I mean by that is we have all got those areas we confess to God, and somehow we end up doing those things again anyway. What's in the secret sin closet of your life tonight? What is it that nobody knows about but you and your family? Hey, let me ask you a tougher one than that. What's in the secret sin closet of your life that nobody knows about but you and God? What's in the sin closet of your life tonight? Don't you act like you don't have one. You see, we're most uncomfortable worshiping God when we know there's some things we need to change. We know there's some things we need to do different. And we just sort of fly in the face of God and say, "Uh uh-uh, Lord, I'm not changing anything. If you're here tonight as a Christian, as many of you are, and you've got what you call small, unconfessed, undealt with sin in your life, I challenge you to repent of that at the altar tonight because until you do, you'll never be able to experience true worship. Skip down to verse 6. There the Bible says this. When they go with their flocks and their herds to seek the Lord, they will not find Him. Uh Uh-oh. What's He saying? Is He saying we can lose our salvation? Of course not. So then what's He saying? I believe he's saying this, when God's people, God's flock, that's you and me, when we come to worship Him with unconfessed sin in our life, when we're living unclean and unholy, and we flaunt that in the face of God with no thought of repentance, God will not meet you in that worship experience. The Bible says, He hath withdrawn Himself from us. You see, what we want to do a lot of times is we want to say, hey, I'm a Christian, I can deal with anything God sends down the pipe toward me. Well, you just realize God is not obligated to be present when we pretend to worship let's not kid ourselves hey pretend worship happens all the time I see it on a weekly basis for example sitting in a boat (laughs) that doesn't make you a fisherman does it putting a paintbrush in your hand does that make you a great painter well of course not hey while I'm thinking about it I know people who have athlete's feet and they're not athletes (laughs) so being in the church doesn't mean you're here to worship being in the church it just means you're here Whether you're here to worship or not is a decision I have to make and you have to make every time we enter the four walls of the sanctuary. Anytime you're serious about worship, God's going to meet you face to face in a personal encounter. But when we come to church and we play games and we play church and we sit with a a rared back attitude of, oh, when's this thing going to be over? Rather than a leaning forward attitude of, oh God, I want everything you've got for me in this hour. When we come to the church and we're not looking for anything, don't be surprised when that's exactly what you find. Nothing. The Bible says he hath withdrawn himself from us. You See, these people wanted to see God's face with unrepentant hearts. He said, "Uh uh-uh, can't have it both ways. See, you and I can't live in sin and expect the hand of God to be upon our lives as well as the lives of our churches. We can't be out of fellowship for weeks and months and years and one night we just blow through the back door of the church and we say, hey, everybody, everything's okay because I'm back at church. It doesn't work that way. Now, does God welcome you back? Well, sure he does. Does the church welcome you back? Sure they do but until repentance takes place, there's not going to be any worship. From the time I was 18 till I was 25, I was totally out of fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In that seven-year period of my life, I can count on one hand the number of times I darkened the door of anybody's church. Then in the fall of 1978, in a revival service in my hometown, my home church, Parrisburg Baptist Church, Parrisburg, Virginia, we had an evangelist by the name of Dale Riddle, Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Now, Dale had been my youth director when I was a 16-year-old boy, and we'd been really good friends, and I hadn't seen him now all that time, and somebody said, well, your old buddy Dale is going to be doing the revival. Why don't you come to the service one night? And I said, well, okay, I'll go here, Dale. And I thought I'd do God a big favor, and I'd show up for the revival one night, so I came. On Thursday night, that week of the revival, I showed up for the revival, and he talked that night about knowing God's plan, God's will for your life. I'd never heard him talk about it. He said, you know, if you're not doing what you ought to be doing, it might take quitting your job. It might take moving. It might take doing something entirely different than you're now doing. Well, I don't know who else he spoke to there that night, but I know who's he broke. Because at that time in my life, as a 25-year-old young man, I was working with my parents in a family florist business. They had flower shops in Perisburg, Blacksburg, Bluefield, Beckley, Princeton, pretty good-sized operation. Put four of us kids through college business that 35 years ago grossed well over a million dollars a year. I was the heir to the owner. None of my brothers and sisters were interested in the business. Everybody understood that when my dad died or when my dad retired someday, the business would be ours. And, you know, I didn't have to climb the corporate ladder. I didn't have to beat anybody out. It was just understood. Roger would take over when John gives it up. So, man, I had it made. Making money hand over fist, things were going great. But I was one of the most miserable people on the face of the earth. And when he talked that night about knowing God's plan for your life, my ears really perked up. And when he gave the invitation, remember now, I hadn't been in church in about a seven-year period, oh, once or twice maybe for a funeral or a wedding. or something. As far as been to church, church had been seven years. Now saved at the age of nine, now out of fellowship between 18 and 25. He gave the invitation that night. Man, I felt a stirring in my heart as a Christian. You need to go make some things right with God. And I really wanted to go forward that night. And I really wanted to make some things right with God. But the devil began to convince me that, hey, you're no different than anybody else in here. Look at all these other people. Nobody else is going forward. Nobody else is recommitting their life to Christ. Why should you do that? And so I didn't. And I went home that night and I sat out in the car with my wife Esther and I cried like a baby because I didn't have the guts and the courage to get in the aisle and go do what God was leading me to do. Went to work the next day and thought I could forget about it, but I couldn't. And I came back a second night to the revival. Oh, I was doing God a favor now. And here I was on that final Friday night. And once again, the invitation was offered. And once again, I felt that strange stirring in my heart. Roger, you need to make things right with God. And once again, the devil began to convince me, well, look around. You know what these people do when they're not in church. You know some of the things they say and what they do. And if they're not going forward, why should you go forward? You're no know worse off than they are. And so once again, I made up in my mind I wasn't going to go forward, but interesting how God uses people and other events. A young lady came from the back of the church who was visiting from the local Catholic church, and she walked by me. I recognized her. And for some reason, it touched my heart because here's what I thought in my mind. I said, Roger, you old hardhead. You grew up in this church. You came here all your life, and you quit going in. You don't have the guts and the courage to get in the aisle and go do what God's leading you to do. Here's this lady tonight visiting from the local Catholic church and she senses the freedom to step out and make a commitment to Christ before people she hardly even knows. With that thought in mind, I got in the aisle and came forward that night. My pastor was talking to her, so I came around the side to where Dale was, the evangelist, and I said, Dale, I thought my heart would explode. I thought I'd die if I didn't come forward tonight. And I shared some very personal sin in my life. And I never will forget the last thing he said to me before I went back to be seated. It's been 35 years ago, and it still rings in my ear. He just simply said, Roger, on the authority of God's Word, because of what you've done tonight, your sins as a Christian are forgiven. Now, when you're out of fellowship like I was, that'll carry you a long way. I realized walking in the back door of the church didn't make everything okay between God and myself. There were some things I needed to do. And I want you to know it was a long walk from where I came down the aisle that night in 1978 to where I stand before you here tonight. You see, it's time the people of God stand up and say, hey, let's be counted for. We're living in a day and age where everything is accepted as all right. If it feels good, do it. Just don't infringe on my rights. And we need to let others know we march to the beat of a different drummer. There ought to be something in the lives of the Christians of Kingsway Baptist Church that people in Bristol look at and say, man, those folks have got a hold of something over there. When they talk about evangelism, missions, discipleship, growth, and outreach, they mean business. There's a smile on their face. There's joy in their heart. When those people say, we follow Jesus, they mean business. Shouldn't there be something different about our lives? You see, the problem tonight is not that we don't want to be committed. Or if I said, who wants to be committed? Yeah, we'd all throw our hands up and say, yeah, let's all be committed. That's not the problem. The problem is we don't realize all the lies that are being affected while we wait to make that total surrender, that total commitment. And by the way, commitment implies we're doing it. Surrender implies God is doing it through us. Maybe we need less rededication and more surrender. I want you to look at how he closes out the chapter down in verse 15. God told the people through Hosea, if you don't get things right with me, judgment is coming upon the nation of Israel. And he'll turn his back to repentance takes place. Then in verse 15, he says this, then I will go back to my place till they admit their guilt. In their misery, they will earnestly seek my face." God said to his own people, don't miss this, it's not a message to the lost. Hey, I hope people lost get saved tonight. Man, this is 100% to the church tonight. God said to his own people, unwilling to repent. He said, until you do, we're just sort of pretending. We see what the passage said to the people of Hosea's day, but the question arises, what's it mean to us today? We're not living back then. We're living in 2013. So, what's the passage say to us tonight? In other words, how does renewal, how does revival come to the life of Kingsway Baptist Church? I'm getting ready to tell you how. Revival will come to the life of your church when staff, deacons, Sunday school teachers, choir members, lay leaders, all who say I'm part of the fellowship, revival will come to the life of your church when you, as Christians, humble yourself, pray, seek the face of God, and what was that fourth thing? repentance no repentance no revival well Roger that sounds good but I look across the aisle here and I see so and so and I know what he or she does when they're not at church And boy if they don't sense the need to go forward you can bet your bottom dollar I'm not going to do it do you realize that's the exact attitude Jose is speaking against your relationship with Jesus doesn't have anything to do with anybody else in the building just like a basketball game one on one you and the Lord Jesus Christ but Roger hey I'm part of the leadership of the church good for you. No repentance. No revival. I don't think you understand. I've been coming here 30 or 40 years. Hey, I'm happy for you. No repentance. No revival. What is it God's looking for for revival to come to the life of this church? He is looking for repentance on the part of Christian Now that you know what he requires. Do you really want a revival? In other words, are we going to have services or are we going to have revival? We'll find out in just a few moments. Father, thank you for loving us. I don't want to ask these people to do anything I wouldn't be willing to do. Apostle Paul said he was chief of all sinners and I've got him beat. There's nobody in the building that needs to confess sin more than the one preaching tonight. Oh God, there have been times I've failed you. There have been times that I have done things that uh, I know I shouldn't have done. Or there have been times I've been angry. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I repent before this crowd. i failed as a husband at times and as a father. And God, I repent before this crowd. God, clean me up before you clean up anybody else in this building because nobody needs it as bad as I do. Now, Father, I hope that maybe you do that with some others here tonight, some other Christians who need to come and make some things right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Very quietly and very reverently, in just a moment, we're going to have our hymn of invitation. Brother Rick's going to lead us through the singing. I want you to take your hymnals, if you will, the brown ones, and turn to page 294. Songs have thine own way. I want you to find that and then give me your attention. I'm going to offer you an invitation. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you for listening to what I had to say. Pay close attention now because here comes the invitation. Just a moment, your pastor, Brother Todd, be here at the front. I'll be out of the way. If you need me this week, I'll be right there, but your pastor will be the one at the front. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, we invite you to come and do that. It may be a young person, nine or ten-year-old boy or girl, teenager man or woman. We talked about that this morning. If you thought about it this afternoon, you've come back tonight and you're ready to come and receive Jesus as your Savior, your pastor will be here to talk with you. Just come on down the aisle when we sing the invitation hymn. In. Say, Pastor Todd, this is my time. This is my moment. I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my heart. He'll pray with you right here tonight and you can be saved. Second part of the invitation. Maybe there's some folks who need to join Kingsway Baptist Church. God's leading you to put your membership here. That's you. As one lady did this morning, leading you to put your membership here. Take, come on and do it tonight. Now, the message tonight has been geared toward the church. And I now call Kingsway Baptist Church to a time of repentance. I call you to a time of getting down in the dirt with God and cleaning out the secret sin closets of your life. You say, well, Roger, I, I'm saved. I don't have any sin in my life. I'm a Christian. But before you make such a statement, let me ask you a few leading questions. Any Christian here tonight and jealousy is a problem for you? Any Christian here tonight, you're angry at somebody and you've been unwilling to forgive? Anybody that you're not speaking to? At school, at work, God forbid, maybe in your church. Anybody here tonight and you have trouble controlling your speech? Any Christian here tonight and you've looked across the workstation and said, no wonder, I wonder what it'd be like to be with that other man, that other woman. You so say, Roger, I don't struggle in any of those areas. Okay? Then my question would be, then what is in the secret sin closet of your life? What is it you can lay down tonight as a Christian that revival might come to the life of this church? We've taken the last half hour talking about what's going to take for revival to come. We decided it's going to take... Repentance on the part of Christian people. You see, we can put it on television, put it in the newspaper, put up flyers and posters, we can talk about it, we can hoop and holler till the cows come home. But nothing will bring revival other than doing it God's way. And repentance is part of the process. Coming clean with God. So I want to know tonight, are there some people in this church, maybe some leaders, who'll lead the way tonight and say, I'm seeking revival enough in the life of my church. I want to be one of the first ones down the aisle to say, yes, I want to deal with some sin in my life as a Christian. I want to clean out my secret sin closet. I want to make things right with God so that our church can experience revival. Well, that's it. So now what's it going to be? Revival services or revival? You decide. As we stand together and sing all the verses.
1: Number 294. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mould me and make me after thy. Just not. Spirit till all shall see Christ only. Oh.